If we got a show for you, Lil Sean. Drop. Broccoli, celery, gotta be veggie tails. Lima beans, collard greens, peachy king, veggie tails. Cauliflower, sweet and sour, half an hour, veggie tails. Veggie tails, veggie tails, it's time for veggie tails. Throwback, Sunday school, best show, vegetables. Every episode so cool. Learn about God in the Bible. Low key, grown man. I key, still a fan. I play the songs when I can, cause God's still bigger than the boogeyman. Barbara Manatee and Pizza Angel come to me. I'm a motivated pirate. Hi, everyone. Hi. And welcome to Have We Got a Show for You. I'm Michael Rafino. And I'm Liz J. Brody. And we're here to talk about VeggieTales. And all of its wonder and three-dimensional glory. Exactly. And today we are here to discuss the it's- second episode. Oh, sorry. I got so excited. <laughs> you were there. I thought we were going to say Grapes of Wrath, Wrath together. It, the whole story is called <laughs> God Wants God Wants Me to Forgive Them. It's in like this, the snake voice. It's like, God wants me to forgive them? God wants me to forgive them. Uh, uh. But, but it is made up of the Grapes of Wrath and the second part, Larry's Lagoon, which is Steinbeck and Gilligan. It's an interesting combination. I wouldn't have personally done it, but they went for it. And, you know, there's mixed results. Well, I'm sure there's plenty of parallels between Steinbeck and 60s sitcoms. I feel like Gilligan's Island and Grapes of Wrath definitely deal with the difficulties and intricacies of a family dynamic which really is uh, the core of this episode. Yes. As we find out, because Bob, the tomato, is in a bowling league. So this, the story begins with Bob talking to Larry on the countertop, as they do. As they do, because they're, they're countertop buddies. Yeah. Um, and Bob introduces this episode by saying that he is walking home from his bowling league when he ran into his friend Marco. Marco, who has a baby sister um, that he does not get along with. When I hear baby sister, I picture an actual baby. But well, I think you would call your your brother, your younger brother, your baby brother. No. Even though he's like 20. He's, he's like 20. He's getting his PhD this month. I don't know. I, yeah. He's my little brother. That... He was a baby brother when he was a baby. And then he was my little brother, and then he was my younger brother. And but in a way, are they never not babies? I've avoided the baby stage, so it wasn't part of the uh, introduction. So it wasn't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Marco and his family, but his mom said that when your baby sister is being very annoying, you have to forgive her. But Marco, even when the baby sister says that she's sorry, Marco can't forgive her. And Marco needs to learn to forgive as God has forgiven us. That's true, but also as an older sibling, I will say. It's important. No. No! (laughs) I will always side with the older sibling. Because were we consulted pre-second child conception? That is true. I I feel like... Our parents should be asking us for forgiveness. We should not be hearing sorry from the younger sibling. Like, it's not their fault they were born. No. 
But why did the parents never apologize? It's never, I'm sorry you're not an only child, Marco. And your life could have been fine. I just, I love my brother. I just, hope, <laughs> I just hope that my younger sister is listening and knows how difficult she's been making this so far. Anna, if you're out there, I love you, but my God. Right. One time, my little brother uh, smashed a bumblebee on my car seat and there was stuff in the other like side of the car he was in the middle and he smashed this bumblebee and there were just like bumblebee guts everywhere and we'd been at the beach so we're like covered in sand and i had to just like double up the towel and sit on this smashed bumblebee <laughs> it was too young to make any other decisions but um i mean i've not been for the other side of the coin i've not been perfect one time we were playing in one of our rooms as kids and um, my mom had an exercise band kind of you stretch out to kind of work out your mm-hmm. upper body. And my sister and I were tugging on it like tug of war and I let go and it smacked her in the face and she bled a little bit and I felt terrible. And I'm glad that my sister was able to forgive me as, as God has forgiven us. I will say too, I also was in a martial arts as a child and i did the most gorgeous beautiful perfect roundhouse kick to my brother's stomach and my parents were like that was amazing that was incredible we were getting our money's worth out of those martial arts classes but we are taking you out so (laughs) the number one rule i was just trying to practice like they told me Jonah did nothing wrong in that circumstance. That was unprovoked. I mean, he did get in the way of my practice. (laughs) Mazel tov on your graduation, Jonah. (laughs) Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, Larry decides to give us the story. story. Steinbeck classic about the failure of capitalism and the death of the American dream. I mean, it, it was about grapes. Um, I don't know that. Look, if Cesar Chavez had seen this episode, <laughs> what would he have said? He would have started calling his opponents cheese headed bean boys. He really would have. That's what we should call our listeners. Cheese headed bean boys. We should, we should call them the cheese headed bean boys. I don't know how well that holds up in 2020. 22, whatever year this is, America, but... We should call them the cheese-headed bean they-thems. The cheese-headed bean boys. Um, (laughs) Even better. Yes. Okay. So, the Grapes of Wrath. They are... They're a family of grapes, and they're terrible. And they're they're proud of it. They are proud of how absolutely horrific they are. Um, they are so bad and so proud of being so bad that even nature flees from their wake of horrid destruction. As they were driving around the country, a, a tree gained sentience and ran away from them. The Ents are fleeing the Shire. And really, 
They're fleeing. They're fleeing Fanghorn. Yeah, they're losing the Shire. That was that was a mistake. They're fleeing Fanghorn because Saruman sends his armies that are okay. So really, the grapes are the orcs. Okay, and Palgrave is Saruman. Yeah, Palgrave. No, I think no. The the children are Saruman. The children are the one who will not turn. It doesn't matter who's who. The point is, we'll they're bad. Lord, Lord of they're, the Beans is later. They're bad. Uh, they're so bad. And it does kind of tie into Steinbeck. I know Steinbeck has nothing to do with this at the end of the day. It was just a fun play on words. And we'll get to that later. We will. But this does correlate in a way to the classic Steinbeck novel. Because you do have this journey in this just like beaten old car. Nature is just dying. There was a dust bowl, which is probably the equivalent of this tree drowning itself in the lake. There is a tree suicide in this episode. Can God forgive us for that? I'd like to think so. No. <laughs> We're killing our planet. <laughs> um, there was a, later the... Sakuna uh, Lom, Michael. Later in Larry's Lagoon, I remember the dad said that uh, the nearest iceberg is 2,800 miles away. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought to myself, (laughs) not much longer. No. It's getting closer or getting further away. They're about to... How does that math work? I don't know. They were on the equator. Uh, Listen, I remember it's 70 times 7. That's true. So these grapes that are just nasty, they're the grapes of wrath. They never take a bath. That's the only lyric I remember. Cranky, cranky grapes. They're cranky. They're very cranky. They're mad. We don't hear why they're cranky. We don't get the origin. We don't, are they in chronic pain? Are they just poverty stricken and trying to like lash out? Maybe they're just sour grapes. The look on Liz's face right now is stunned. Call Elvis Costello. I got some questions. (laughs) A lot of questions, Elvis. Um, So they run into a stump outside of the house of one junior asparagus. Presumably the stump is from... One of the trees that fled. A tree that killed itself in the wake of the grapes. Poor sweet little junior asparagus and his little truck are just standing in his yard. Presumably outside of the same house that later that earlier that week, he was afraid of Frankenstein inside of. So we were seeing the exterior of Junior's house. They have no neighbors, which is interesting. It's the country. It is. They don't give the... His dad wears a tie. It's a corporate job out in the country. Okay. Uh, (laughs) He's got Zoom meetings all day. He works for Gotcha. Okay. He's got Zoom meetings in 1994. Yeah. And 1933. Seven when this is also taking place hypothetically so uh junior's just chilling he's just having a good time with his little truck and these grapes pop out and they're like hey Uh junior asparagus okay we can't this is a vegetable podcast what (laughs) sorry sorry i forgot we weren't swearing they're like hey junior asparagus we don't like you we don't like your face we don't like anything about you we're missing the key part in which the siblings fight and for some reason, one of the grapes is 18. None of this matters. Yes. 
they they were insulting each other and bickering, and then they they took their toxic relationship and pushed it onto our. Junior. They did. Maybe that's why they're so cranky. They can't get along. That's probably. It. And when they insult each other, they call each other cooked foods. Yes, she noticed is, that. Which is interesting. They, to call someone a casserole or a taco, a I'd taco be, salad. I feel like I'd be. I don't know about a taco salad. It's like you call me a taco. I'm like, yeah. Taco salad work. Absolutely, I'm it's very satisfying. Much. But uh, <laughs> the salad, not as much. That's that's cafeteria food. That's insulting. Okay. So they 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 call Junior a cheese headed bean boy, even though a he is an asparagus, and b even though what is on his head is yellow, it is a hat. And it is not cheese. And then they accuse him of having peas on his head. Because of his asparagus. And they yes. mention the peas on his head several times, which leads me to raise the question. Did Andy Milanakis reference VeggieTales when he was writing the theme song to his show? He may have. Call Costello and call Milanakis. I got questions. <laughs> Costello and Milanakis are on the case. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, Junior's father. Senior asparagus. Senior asparagus or dad. Is it dad or senior asparagus? Oh, it's dad. We, senior asparagus is, is our thing. Okay. I didn't know that. I feel like it <laughs> should be Mr. Asparagus Senior. Uh, I had a... <laughs> My rabbi's father was also a doctor, but I was, you know, I watched the kids for the family. So I was, you know, in charge of the children who called him Saba, which is grandfather. And I would call him Saba a lot also because I was always with the kids and they didn't know him by anything else. So I'd have to say Saba all the time. So I, I didn't know what to call him because you, you, you call your rabbi, rabbi. And your rabbi's father has a name. Like, there's, there were so many titles. I didn't know what to call this man. So I used to call him um, Mr. Dr. Saba Rabbi Yammer. <laughs> or some combination of that. But the whole title was, it was a lot of titles in it. Dave for short. But, you know. <laughs> so anyway, Mr. Senior Junior's dad, Asparagus, comes out and starts berating the grapes. Well, I wouldn't say berating. I would say trying to mediate, trying True. to say, trying to tell them, you know, it's not nice to make fun of people. You hurt his feelings mm -hmm. and hurting people's feelings is mean. And the grapes realize this and yeah, they apologize. Junior forgives them. And somehow on like a turn of a dime, they're For like seconds later, they're seconds later. They're no longer the grapes of wrath. They're like, we're not that bad. They're singing a theme song about being bad mere seconds ago. And then now they're they're back on Junior again. Mm-hmm. But busting his chops. Busting his asparagus chops. And this time it's the kids. The parents are no longer joining. And the parents have their parents have forgiven. The parents were like, we must they're change our ways. Them. Yeah. Parents have redeemed. Our children kids. are absolute Vildachaim. We gotta we gotta reform. And even then, after Junior uh, embarrasses himself horribly by sideshow bobbing into that uh, Junior Asparagus. Garden. Well, so what it, we forget first, he walks away and they start making fun of his name. Yes. They start saying, Junior, what kind of a name is that? And Which, Junior, in all honesty, what kind of a name is that? 
To all the juniors out there, change that. <laughs> People who are just junior. Change. They're yeah. not, they're not, they're not Michael Jr. They're not Carl Jr. Way to give Carl yourself little man syndrome. Not even Napoleon syndrome. You're just, Napoleon never had a junior. They'd need one. I don't think he needed one. What if Larry's Lagoon is an allegory for Napoleon's time with San Helene? I see this. Okay. So they make fun of the name Junior. <laughs> yes. And uh And then he gets hit in the face with a rake and he, falls. He he steps he steps on a hoe. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say that. Junior trips on a hoe. <laughs> and gets smacked in the face. Goes backwards, lands in his truck that he was standing near earlier. He's a toy truck. It's a toy truck. And it was just a plot device. Falls, it was it was Chekhov's gun as a truck. Chekhov's truck. Chekhov's truck. He falls into Chekhov's truck, goes sliding, hits the sandbox, does a high jump situation. Ballistic missile sounds as he falls. Free falls down into the sand, gets covered in sand, which is, as a chef, very triggering. Oof. And emerges coughing, beaten, very, uh, very Kill Bill when the bride asks for water. You know, very... And covered in sand. Covered in gets sand. A, gets everywhere, like Anakin Skywalker. It's a mess. Sand also very Steinbeck. It's an absolute disaster, and the grapes are loving it. The grape children. The grape children. Grapes juniors. The junior grapes. Think this is the funniest thing they've ever seen in their lives, and they've only seen tree suicides. So part of me is understanding why this is so funny to them. And Dad has to come back out to, to, to mediate again, and the kids are really sorry this time. They are so sorry. And then Larry, who was relaying the story to Bob, mentions that, and then Junior forgives them. But then Junior, from through the fourth wall, through this, through time and space, is like, no, I'm not going to forgive them. He turns around. There's the sirens blaring. He's like, I have to what? <laughs> forgive them? God wants me to forgive them. them? And he's like, yeah. And here's where it gets very Christian. <laughs> yes. So this is my portion of the program. Keeping my, I'll put a pin in that one for a second. I only, from this full episode, from the full shebang, only remember the song from the Grapes of Wrath. I mm. have no recollection of the rest of the episode. And part of me wonders, so I had a VeggieTales soundtrack. That might be. And that might be why I know the song only. Because I have... there. Should I spoil it? There's a spoiler. There is no silly song to be had in this episode. Therefore, the song that they had to use... I, I know you're living, Liz. We have, to, we have to hold on. Hold on. We have to hold, finish this. Hold on. I know you're living, but we have to finish this part. The song that they chose for the soundtrack, the CD-ROM that I had for VeggieTales, had this song for this episode, The Grapes of Wrath. 
instead of a silly song. And it is one of the few non-silly song songs that is on this soundtrack. Yes. Anyway. We'll, get, we'll, get, we'll, be, we'll put a pin in that. We'll get it back. Come back. I got to calm down. To All forgiveness. Right. I don't to, forgive them for not putting a silly song in. All to, right. to Matthew 18, 21. Specifically. Which uh, Junior asked, how many times am I supposed to forgive them? And uh, is it seven times? And no, as it was quoted in Matthew 18, 21, Jesus says, not even seven times, 70 times seven. That's how many times you should forgive. Jesus failed out of rabbinical school, so I don't know what his math skill level was. Oh, I remember uh, Jesus was arguing with the rabbis when he was like 12. We all were. (laughs) What's special about that? (laughs) I I argued with the rabbi last week. Like, I don't know what... (laughs) He was, he was it's good It's literally at, part was, of the requirements to become your bar mitzvah. Like, I don't know what. He was, like, really good at it. And, well, good and, for him. Okay. <laughs> We're all good at it. Okay? Don't, We've all done this. Listen, he's perfect. If I had a nickel for every time yourself. I argued with a rabbi, listen, I could destroy my own market. I don't care. As, as a Jew, is it, do you want to compare yourself to Jesus? Absolutely not. I'm much sexier. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yes. Yeah, so that's that's how many times you're supposed to forgive. Have no. <laughs> Absolutely not. All right. Well, how many? What's your limit, Liz? My limit. So here's where it gets very Christian. <laughs> this is not at all how um, my people forgive. Because they don't. We we don't. We'll, well, it's not necessarily holding a grudge. There's a difference. Okay, there's holding a grudge, and then there is active. I'll, I'll translate Teshuva as kind of active forgiveness. So I'm up in arms, right? This is, this is, but this is something that, especially in my life, has become especially as I've gotten older, like as a child, it didn't make as much sense. Um, But now, especially, especially in a professional setting, um, Teshuva is one of the like ruling factors of my life. And it's why we celebrate, celebrate. I said celebrate. It's not celebration. It's why we have Yom Kippur, right? Commiserate Yom Kippur. Commiserate Yom Kippur. It's, the idea that forgiveness must be earned and you do not get to just be forgiven that this idea of what is mercy is not freely just here you go you know you're if you wrong me and i say oh well you said you're you were sorry and i forgive you I can say many, and it's, it also goes back to this idea of, um, you know, loving kindness that I can tell you that I maybe trust you or have this faith that you can actively change and eradicate and fix that behavior on your own accord through your actions. Um, I can have confidence in you that this wrong can be righted through an act. And I can, to put a pin in it, put a pin in what was done 
And that doesn't have to necessarily affect my personal relationship with you in any way, but I need to see some form. There's got to be like a transaction. There's got to be some form of work being done, put forth to right that wrong. And then I can accept that that thing has been righted, that there was change, and then I can forgive you. And we have Yom Kippur, you know, on Yom Kippur, you fast, you sit in services, and you forgive. So the week leading up to Yom Kippur is the week that we have to make these wrongs righted in our personal lives that we can say, hey, I did this to you, and here is my plan for fixing that. Here is my plan. Here is my active. Even if it's something they don't know about, it's that time that you can like really right these wrongs in a very meaningful way. And you right your wrongs with other people, with yourself. That's a major factor. It's one thing to say you're sorry to somebody else, and you can genuinely be sorry to another person. But If you're sorry to yourself for that behavior, that has to be fixed as well. You have to be in full, you have to be fully accountable for every wrong action that you take, whether it's against someone else, yourself. Um, We also have to like right our wrongs against God. Um, All of this is covered in the liturgy and the services on Yom Kippur. Um, And because it is this big day, where, you know, you you don't eat, you don't bathe, you don't drink water, you don't brush your teeth, you know, you don't wear makeup. Um, you are in your most raw form. You have to come to Yom Kippur very, you know, you just walked through a huge spiritual journey. Um, so forgiveness in Jewish tradition is a journey. It is not a guarantee. Um, so that's why... Maybe why I don't know this episode <laughs> in short, but uh, it's such a, and again, maybe as I had, as we were talking about, like, you ask, you also have to like understand this is for children. Yeah. It's an abbreviated thing for kids, uh, but. It is a non-denominational Christian take on it too, because. Yeah. In Catholicism, you, you go to confession to confess your sins, but right. the priest does not forgive sins. It's more of an accountability. Right person somebody you can trust you to hold you accountable mm-hmm. but uh, on an interpersonal level among christians if you are wronged by somebody you do you can confront them about it one-on-one mm-hmm. um you don't bring it up in, to anybody who it doesn't affect right and you you say that it bothered you, you they say they're sorry you forgive them and we are called to forgive unconditionally because god has forgiven us mm-hmm. unconditionally and so it's not that you can wrong somebody all you want and they have to forgive you. And you could take advantage of that because that is also mm-hmm. you know, wrong, of course. Um, and I remember that coming up a lot in my uh, religious philosophy classes in college. Mm-hmm. So I was a religious studies major and I took very little New Testament. I took a lot of like Eastern religion and religious philosophy and Greek philosophy. but. Um, that came up. I took two New Testament classes and it was usually from, you know, Protestant students who were 
genuinely like inquiring like how do you not take advantage of unconditional forgiveness it's like having amazon prime in a way like mm-hmm. you know oh i can get it shipped to me immediately like why would i wait and go to a store you know like it's I think so if you, weird you take advantage of the unconditional forgiveness your relationship with god can be kind of strained right and that you're not if you live that that is tantamount to living a selfish life mm-hmm. and uh, living for yourself and for your own personal profit and not for right. god and so i think that that would cause an estrangement not a, not a theologian. No, that was that was beautiful. Like that was really like that's uh I think one of the thing that things that people really struggle with on Yom Kippur is when we do get to think like wrongdoings against God. And they, we it can sound a little extreme and it can be. It really can be. But at the end of the day that correlation between wrongdoings against yourself and wrongdoings against God tend to be one and the same. As it is, I mean, we can talk about the book of Jonah, which is what we read on Yom Kippur. Jonah is trying to hide, not just from God, but from himself and his true. I'm thinking Jonah is going to be our season finale. Yeah, sorry, we're not skipping ahead episodes, but uh, that relationship between, you know, things that you have done wrong against yourself and wrong against God are so linked as it all comes down to accountability and honesty and i think too maybe watching this episode and trying to think of like forgiveness and honesty and how does that go they do the calculations on how many times um yes jesus says to forgive jesus christ my lord and say yes yeah Uh, we're gonna we're gonna call him jc uh jc uh is like here's how many times you should forgive and the uh grape girl does the calculations and gets it right. And you find out that all of this was set up for the ending pun. You're pretty good with numbers. Maybe you should be the grapes of math. The grapes of math, everybody. And for the pun, maybe this really is the most Jewish episode. It has Paul Grape. It was his debut. And he is the most Jewish character. He gets progressively more Jewish. Yes. He's not as Jewish at first. And his family is very backwoods, but... Maybe they're from the Pine Barrens. Sorry, Sorry, New Jersey. I love you. (laughs) Look, I I lived in Ocean County. I know what it's like. It's okay. It's cold. It's terrible. (laughs) Not better than Verona, but whatever. Um, With apologies to the state of New Jersey. You know what you did. We forgive you. We forgive you. We love you. We forgive you. This next episode, I think, answers the question that I just... Sure. Whichever you, you prefer. You can, you can vent later if you want. You I will. Vent, so You can vent to me off the mic about how there's no silly song. So, there is no silly song. But this next episode, which is Larry's Lagoon based on Gilligan's Island. Hilarious. This cat needs to get his little paw off this table. Um, buddy. Come on. Speaking of little buddy. Um, <laughs> so... This episode kind of addresses the issue of what if I don't want to forgive that easily? He's really being a menace. Can we forgive this cat? Can we forgive this cat? I don't know. He's really, he's already hurt me twice today. Uh, And he shows no sign of changing. (laughs) But he's so cute. Okay. 
Uh, anyway, Larry's Lagoon. They go on a three-hour tour with five friends. Only two of them don't show up. Yeah, there was the, there was the professor, there was the, the millionaire, his wife, and uh, the movie star. And the Marianne other does not show Marianne up. Marianne does not show up. They canceled. No, they, they said nah. Um, so they go on this tour. While they're out on the water. Yes. Uh, Larry is left at the helm while Bob goes to make snow cones. Larry's mind, it starts to wander. He starts to daydream. He daydreams that he's captaining the ice-breaking ship. Uh, a Soviet ice-breaking ship. Yes, and there are two very unfortunate whales very stuck. And in Larry's daydream, he's really just trying to help these poor whales. With his Russian accent. That's a little French. And a little Polish, too. A little bit. It definitely sounds like when I try to speak Russian. It's very <laughs> much the same accent. It sounds like if world history had gone a little differently. Um, and I relate to it. And thank you, Larry, for representing those of us who really struggle to get our accents straight. <laughs> and so he is going to aiming towards breaking up an iceberg, but then realizes that the ship is going straight into a giant rock and it crashes and all of our vegetables on the tour are flung out of the ship and land on a deserted island. All of the vegetables being three asparagi, asparag- <laughs> asparagus, 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 as we learned, so three is the Greek. Two fruits. <laughs> Put a pin in that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, a uh, tomato, a cucumber, and three asparagus land on a desert island and have to try and rough it. And How they- does this joke end? Asparagus. Three asparagus is a Well, it tomato. ends with an amazing song with a palm tree. Yes. So a palm tree that was voiced by Digum the Honey Smacks mascot. Wow. Yeah. Fun fact. Yes, Palm okay, Palmy from the end of this was yeah, they were getting voice tapes from people because they heard in Chicago that there's people on the north side making videos. So, okay, well, I'll send in voice tapes. And they got one from the guy that's Diggum. Yes. The Honey Smacks mascot. Also, when you realize that this is a Midwestern production, it makes a lot more sense. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) And uh, Diggum shows up. (laughs) I call him Diggum. He has a name. It's on IMDb. Yeah. He he does the voice. Look him up. Make him feel good. Okay. He does the voice, and he's amazing, and then leaves. Yes. And then realizes that they were non-union, and he can't use his real name on the credits. Poor man. Yeah, yeah. Good for getting out of there real fast. <laughs> Probably got paid, though. Yeah, definitely, definitely did. Got, definitely got. What did he use that money on? Who knows? Who cares? So, Ice Max. <laughs> so Larry is tossing. They build these huts. They've got hammocks. Larry's tossing and turning. He feels so bad about what he's done. And it's an accident, and he's just, he feels so terrible. And he tries to tell Bob that he's sorry. He tries so hard. Bob is still steaming. He's still, he's still red. He is, he is red with anger. He is fuming. And he says, and I quote, sorry's not good enough. Do you have that blazing on a pillow? Somewhere, Liz? I don't. <laughs> but if anyone wants to make me one, I'll take it. <laughs> Sorry's not good enough. It's your epitaph. Bob the Tomato, 1994. <laughs> is not good enough. And Larry, who is tossing and turning, says, Well, 
if sorry is not good enough, and I said I'm sorry, therefore, then I'm not good enough. And Larry, we shouldn't be using Plato's philosophy to understand our self-worth, but you know what? It's okay. But he decides that the best course of action here, because he just can't be good enough for anyone, is to leave. And so he does. He's missing that morning. He goes He goes away. He said, well, if I'm not good enough for you, I'll excuse myself, which is how I've left a lot of jobs. <laughs> <laughs> just out the back door. Yeah. Um, the next morning, Bob wakes up looking for him. The, the millionaire and his wife... Don't know what don't they're know doing. They're aloof. On. They're they're wealthy. They have money. Yeah, and it's not buying them a ticket out of here, and they don't know that yet. <laughs> and uh, Bob is stuck up a tree, trying to find Larry. Mm-hmm. And uh, the professor has made a machine, a catapult. Yes. Yes. And he tests it out with a coconut. The coconut hits Bob in the head. Bob falls out of the tree. Plummets. Plummets. Breaks the million. Destroys. The millionaire's hut. The hut. And so Bob feels terrible. The professor feels terrible. The professor asks Bob for forgiveness. Bob asks the millionaires for forgiveness. And they all get it. And they all feel better. And And then they realize realize. they've all been horrible to Larry. But actually, really, it was Bob that was horrible to Larry, but... They didn't forgive him either. They didn't either, but they're... I won't put all the blame on Bob, but they're besties, so, like, it hurts more coming from Bob. Yeah. So, they're like, oh, we hurt Larry. So, Bob goes hopping on through the jungle and finds Larry, who has built a beautiful raft. (laughs) Is blowing into the sand. And is blowing himself away, (laughs) trying to propel himself out toward the open ocean. He got pretty he, far. He did, but he was definitely going to die. Um, <laughs> the cucumber's going to turn into a pickle in the sea. It really is. He would, yeah. Um, and Bob is like, Larry, wait, come back. Calls him a little buddy. Very cute. Very Gilligan. Very Gilligan. Very cute. Because he's bigger than him. <laughs> uh, Larry says, Ugh, fine. Turns himself around. Comes back to shore. They all decide to forgive each other because they now realize, they now have perspective. And they were like, you know what? It's terrible to not be forgiven when you're very genuinely apologetic about a wrongdoing. And then Palmy, the aforementioned honey smacks tree, palm tree, and his two talking coconut friends sing the forgiveness song. And then the professor shows up with... um, a very mash style helicopter and they fly away to maybe safety helicopter made out of bamboo coconuts. Yes. The coconuts are both sentient and not sentient. They have, they're not sure. They're both voiced by Lisa Fisher who plays junior asparagus. Oh, she was the coconuts. What a versatile actress. You know that in love, we can forgive. (laughs) It is the only way to live. That was beautiful. Thank you. Yes. But yeah, what I liked about uh, this one is it it's... The story does kind of come second and it does feel like sermon illustrations. Yeah. In retrospect, I do like that the Larry's Lagoon episode kind of 
answers those deeper questions, which I had, which I interrupted myself during. (laughs) And I forgive myself for that. But it has, you know, it goes deeper. It has an explanation. I also, again, there's no silly song. Should we forgive this episode for not having a silly song? Absolutely not. Now, now this is, I do know a, a behind the scenes story here. So Phil Vischer, first one is like, well, we'll just have something silly in between the segments to break it up to just kind of make it fun in the middle. He didn't think that there was necessarily going to be a silly song with Larry every time. Right. So he took it. It old, is episode two. It's episode two. So he took an old sketch he did in uh, in Bible school. That was like a comedy sketch about the, the Forgivermatic, which is a kind of parody of infomercials. Yeah. Um, and it's a very good one. It really is. Yeah, yeah. There's a, you get free steak knives with it. And this potato, who's a miner from West Virginia, shows up and says that he's dug 70 miles with these steak knives. They're the best. You got to get them. Yeah, they're still lasting. They're still good. Yeah, the, the Cutco of uh, steak knives. Yeah, and, and it's, you know, like you don't need a device for forgiveness. God forgives you without having to purchase a Cutco product. Uh, then the miner shows up again and says something. I don't remember. You <laughs> pulling me up and down. I'm getting sick. Yeah. Uh, but so he, he was going to we'll have something silly in between the segments. And it's not necessarily going to be the silly song. And then they got flooded with letters being like, where is the it's silly, silly song? song? And I would have written a letter. Yeah. It's like, you said, there's, where's the silly song? There's a no silly song. Where is it? It's the defining characteristic of Edgy Tales. People remember the silly songs. And people, I don't know if people remember the Forgivematic sketch. I've never seen it. Yeah, it's that uh, I know of. Maybe I just didn't remember it because it's not as memorable. Well, I feel like as a concept, it's kind of covered by yeah. the other two, sort of redundant. It's like an extra. And it's okay. The miner from West Virginia had that fun, you know, Monty Python whimsy. As much of this does. And he's a potato. And then they talk about how you can use it to make fries. The forgivematic can out of, be a fry out of the dumb vegetables. Yeah, because it's not a sentient potato. It's not a living potato. It's not living. It's okay. This also raises a lot of question about stem cell research, and you know we don't have to get into that. But um, no, but they do. They bring the silly song back immediately after, and yes. uh, Mike Naraki, co-creator of Veggie Tales and voice of Layer the Cucumber, had written every subsequent one. For the rest of the original round. And I will say this whole episode. Four out of ten. Really that low. Not a banger. Not. I'd give it like a. mm, Six out of ten. Three out of five. Um, It's it's fine. It's not. Look. It's a personal. It's not for me. I think if I were. A Christian mom in Chicago, this would be one of my favorites. We're only two episodes in. That's a bold statement. But did you, so did you like it more than well, you liked it less than Daniel? Way less. Look, episode one has laugh out loud moments. That's true. I you saw me, I spat water out <laughs> in that first episode. This one's not is funny there's not as many it's cute it's got some good moments but it's not it's not at solid 10 you know this is not they got it right out of the gate this one it's not quite 
but it's still it's still it's sort of like the best day uh the worst day fishing is better than the best day working the right. worst veggie tales you got is better than the best like most other shows yeah and like the, for the time the animation is still really impressive innovative the the, the least good veggie tales is better than the best salty the singing psalm book the what it's better than the best mcgee and me the what salty the, the singing sing, song the book? singing song book is that mormon that sounds mormon <laughs> it, well it's a living hymnal <laughs> with a face no i don't like that called called salty with a p.s a-L-T-Y. Is that supposed to be like a psalm? It is, yes. That is a picture of the cartoon version of Salty. That's terrifying. This is a picture of... That is absolutely just pee the bed. Do you want to get... It, it gets worse. So there was a walk around live tour Salty that would sing the aforementioned songs. Who looked like this. Is that racist? <laughs> <laughs> Is that, it's, it's a man. That's borderline blackface. With, like with blue makeup on. That is borderline. In a, in a giant, it looks like a sandwich board Bible, well, songbook, not a Bible. He's specifically not a talking Bible. I don't like that. That's. Are you familiar with Colby? With what? Yes. This is another children's Christian song. It's a big computer man. It's like a like a talking walking computer that sings Christian songs. What? That looks like this. Oh my no. That's terrible. And the mouth and the eyes both move. No. It's I don't a, enjoy that. So again, all of all of this worse than VeggieTales. Much notably worse than VeggieTales. That's absolutely horrible we had debbie friedman like that's she was a real person she had cute hair she sang some nice songs on her guitar with a little like rainbow strap rainbow straps are fun yeah very um what's this face the monkeys cut that irrelevant okay uh no like debbie friedman was was fun that's who we had but uh I don't know. We didn't have a lot of programming. Oh yeah, there was this when the direct-to-video market came out. There was just a flood of Bible songs, and we had the Rugrats. <laughs> that is true. Or Passover very episode. we had even Stevens and is told by Ginger. Yeah, Passover and episode of Rugrats was iconic. I used to teach that every year. I would teach Lights, the 1970s animated classic, and the Rugrats Passover special. And uh, an American tale. <laughs> Somewhere out there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Welcome to New York, kid. <laughs> All right. Great. Grapes? Grapes. Grapes, asparagi, pea heads. Cheese-headed bean boys. This episode did give us cheese-headed bean boys. Again, we got a... We got to crowd check that one. I don't know. Yeah, email. Uh, uh, leave a comment. Don't email. Don't email. Don't do email. not. Do not email me. Don't email. 
or anybody else. Don't email anyone ever. Leave it's, a review. It's 2022. Leave me, leave us a comment and a review. Give us a five star review and let us know how you feel about Cheeseheaded Bean Boys. Let us know if your name is Junior and why. <laughs> your given what name. do you call your father? Specifically, if your given name is Junior, then then you may contact us. But not email. But not by email. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so this is a disappointing episode with no silly song, and... I, I like it okay. I mean, it's not one of the better ones. It's not the best one. It's got nothing on the next one. No. Which I think is Rackshack and Benny. Rackshack and Benny and the bunny slaps, but we'll talk about that later. That is coming up next, but as for now, uh, this has been... You know, we'll wrap it up. This has been... Have we got a a show show for you? you. I've been Michael Rufino. I still am Liz Brady. And we're letting him God made you special. And he loves you very much. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.